Welcome to Mental Healthy, where we share the stories and expertise of professionals working diligently in the field of mental health. I'm your host today, Dr. Kenyon Knapp. I've got a really neat guest today. This is Professor Jennifer Street. She's a LCSW licensed clinical social worker, and she's the program director of the Bachelor of Science in Social Work program here at Liberty University. So uh, welcome to the program, Professor Street. Thank you so much, Dr. Knapp. Good to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. I know that you're an expert in a number of areas, but the one we're talking about today is ART. Could you describe ART a little bit for the listeners and what that acronym stands for? Sure. ART stands for Accelerated Resolution Therapy, and it's a therapeutic system that integrates components of a lot of different therapies into an effective procedure that's performed under rapid eye movement. So that's the clinician answer. The civilian answer or the everyday answer is that ART is an eye movement therapy that helps resolve trauma. So the typical listener is, you know, people who are mental health professionals or students. And so this sounds a lot like EMDR. Is it sort of something that developed from EMDR or did it precede EMDR? Or It is, in fact. EMDR is the predecessor of ART and the founder, creator of ART was trained in EMDR but felt that a more directive approach that was a little bit more contained and added some additional components could potentially be more effective. And so that is where the development of ART was born. It's certainly a timely topic. I know recently there's been a number of things related to COVID and so forth. I heard you saying earlier that rates of anxiety and things like that are up since COVID has been affecting America. Could you give us a little feel for how things have changed with mental health since COVID? Well, I think one of the scary things is that the mental health epidemic, and even it's already started, is going to be even longer lasting than the effects of the virus. You know, more than 500,000 people have unfortunately died from COVID in, in our country But we've seen an uptick in agoraphobia, in OCD symptoms, and then also trauma in our healthcare workers. So I think that's the biggest place where ART can intersect the needs of our country right now is dealing with the complicated grief people are experiencing and dealing with the trauma of all the healthcare-related issues. Everyone listening probably can think of an example or two of somebody that's been affected by COVID and all the stress connected to that. And it sounds interesting. Can you give the listeners a little bit of background on yourself and like what drew you into working with ART? Sure. So I've been in the social service field since 2000, which makes me feel a little old, but I'm not that old. I started working with homeless families in crisis through a faith-based program and then moved to Florida where I worked with adolescent girls in a day treatment program and helped start a domestic violence outreach center. And it was really at the domestic violence outreach center that this concept of trauma as a niche in the field and a really important focus area started because what I realized was that none of the girls in the adolescent day program would be there apart from trauma. That trauma was the catalyst for their behavior issues and for the things that they had gotten in trouble with the law regarding. You could really all trace it back to some type of trauma and beginning to work with family systems and seeing the impact of domestic violence. People were experiencing post-traumatic stress 
And when I went into private practice from the domestic violence center, that really was a lot of my referrals, people who had experienced domestic violence. And I started looking for effective trauma techniques. My clinical supervisor at the time was trained in EMDR. And I actually referred one of my clients because she was having a recurring nightmare and I was not able to help her stop that. And the technique was extremely effective helping her with the nightmare. But then she had flooding of other memories afterward. So I kind of backed off from learning an eye movement therapy because I thought if that's going to be the result, I don't know that I want to invest in that at this time. So I had tabled that idea of getting trained in EMDR or another eye movement therapy until I got a phone call from a potential client and they said, our son is getting four sessions of this new therapy at the University of South Florida. He's going to be part of a research study and they say that he needs a therapist to follow up with afterwards. So we want to know, would you see him after he finishes these four sessions? And then also we're Christians. And we want to know, does this technique line up with our beliefs? And I didn't know anything about it. So I said, I'd be glad to look into it. And that's when I realized the similarities to EMDR, but then also these new components that were very intriguing to me of addressing the body sensations, working on a voluntary imagery placement, actually changing the way the brain restores the memory after the therapy. So I looked into it. I contacted the founder and began planning a training. And then one day my phone rang and it was Dr. Kip from the University of South Florida. And he said, I hear you're trying to kind of organize a training of clinicians. And I said, yeah, it's not going really well. Nobody wants to pay $499 for this new therapy that they don't know anything about. And he said, well, if you can recruit clinicians, we'd love to host it at USF and anybody who shows promise in the technique would potentially be able to work on the research study. So that is what happened. I recruited about 30 clinicians that I knew from the Tampa Bay Baptist Association's Counseling Center. We had multiple sites. So I recruited a lot of clinicians and about 30 of us came together to be trained. About 15 of us ended up working on the research study and literally changed my practice, revolutionized my work and set me down a track of becoming an expert in ART and focusing on trauma. I know there's such a need for that with trauma work these days in all different areas, but let me ask you this. It's called ART, Accelerated Resolution Therapy. How accelerated is it? (laughs) What I mean is like I hear about sometimes these brief therapies and some people say, oh, you do it in one session or something like that. Give the listeners a feel for how accelerated this is. How long does it take? That's a great question. So to date, all of the published research has been specifically with trauma, and a lot of it is with veterans and active duty service members, and consistently, regardless of the population, because we've studied, again, active duty and veterans, we've studied homeless veterans, incarcerated veterans, so even in all the subtypes, the average is about four sessions, three and a half sessions for a 74% reduction in the post-traumatic stress checklist symptoms, which is pretty phenomenal. So if we're looking at decreasing symptoms below the threshold of meeting criteria for PTSD in about four sessions, that's a third of the time. 
that most trauma therapies, whether it be CPT, prolonged exposure, some of the other things that are available, those usually range 12 to 14 sessions. So ART is cutting symptoms in about a third or fourth of the time. That is amazing. I mean, that's pretty convincing. What's the length of time between those four sessions? There are actually a lot of different ways that ART can be administered. In the research study, we offered up to five sessions in a two-week period, and that's what resulted in that 74% statistic. But ART can be done effectively in weekly outpatient settings. It's also being used in some therapeutic retreats for veterans where people are coming in for a long weekend and getting to experience three to four sessions. There's a program in Florida that uses it in a week-long retreat-type program. And then some of our ART clinicians are actually doing intensives where a person might come in from out of town for two to three days and do eight to 10 hours of therapy related to specific issue. And they're getting, you know, that much ART in a short period. So it's really up to the individual and the clinician how they administer or what the time frame is. But a lot of times the people that we see are dealing with long-standing PTSD and they've tried just about everything. So they're very hungry for relief and they want to get results as fast as they can while still being safe and ethical. That's certainly very promising research and I'm sure there's a lot of demand for it. Earlier you mentioned that you do some trainings every now and then. How often do you do trainings on this? Art International is a nonprofit organization that's helping to get the training out across the country. So they are funded by the Chris T. Sullivan Foundation and offer trainings across the country every month. And if an area is interested, they will also send a trainer there. So on the website, you can click find a training and find one in your area. And if there's not one locally, even request that they send a trainer to you. What is that website that you're referencing there? artherapyinternational.org. Great. I appreciate you doing trainings on it because I know there's always a need for professional development and we're always looking for, you know, more effective therapy. So this sounds great. Let me ask you too, just to try to make this more practical and for the listeners out there who are going, well, this sounds great, but let's get to the nitty gritty. Can you maybe give an example of a successful outcome using ART, maybe a client you worked with or something like that? Sure. You know, one of the amazing things about ART to me is that it uncovers things that would take years or might never come out in traditional talk therapy. And one example of that was a young woman who had one traumatic incident at age six, and she had never experienced PTSD symptoms until she was 31. And all of a sudden, full-blown PTSD symptoms, no additional traumatic event. She could not figure out what was triggering this for her. And the way the ART protocol works, as you become desensitized to the images, a lot of times you remember more detail, that there were sights or sounds or smells you didn't remember before because your eyes were really fixated on the most traumatic moment of the incident. So in this particular situation, the second time through her scene, she remembered hearing her feet running out of her grandmother's house on the wooden floor. 
And that was really significant because around the time that her symptoms started, her job had remodeled and put in like laminate flooring. So all day long at her desk, she was hearing the pitter patter of feet on the wooden floor. And that is actually what triggered these symptoms for her. The reason that was so astounding to me was we could have done years and years of psychoanalysis, or we could have done CBT or CPT or any of the other techniques that are talk-based, and I don't think we would ever have uncovered that. So to realize in that first session working on this traumatic incident what was triggering her and be able to remove that sound so that she wasn't hearing it all the time, she could go back to work and be fine, and her symptoms stopped. So obviously, you know, a lot of our trauma clients have the complex, complicated trauma that is more involved. But in this situation, finding out that trigger was huge. Let me ask you this too. You're making me think of lots of different things. I know with EMDR, people use a number of different stimulation machines per se, like light bars or sound or or even physical tapping on the body and things like that. Does ART like have their own special approach to EMDR or can you use all the different stimulation techniques of EMDR to solicit the memories? Bilateral stimulation is the science that we're using. So when we move the eyes from left to right, we're accessing and activating both sides of the brain. And when I explain ART to my younger clients, I tell them the front of your brain does the complicated stuff. The back of the brain does the automatic stuff. The images are stored in the creative right side of the brain, and the story is stored in the left. So we really need to use bilateral stimulation that activates both sides of the brain. There's a lot of mechanistic research out there about what works best. Tactile, so buzzers or tapping, tones in the ears from left to right, or eye movements. And in all of that mechanistic research, consistently eye movements are shown to be the most effective. We're not exactly sure why. There's a belief that because the retina is directly connected to the brainstem, which is what triggers the fight or flight freeze response in the amygdala, that potentially that it's something to do with that. And also because the eyes are the source that we take in the trauma from directly and activating that response in our body. So the official position of ART is that we use eye movements for our bilateral stimulation for those reasons. The research showed that eye movements were most effective, tactile was a close second, and then tones actually did not activate both sides of the brain. And I know binaural beats are used a lot for relaxation and they're used in neurofeedback, and I do believe that they are effective But all of that mechanistic research showed that eye movements kind of take the cake. So we try our best to use eye movements and to do that with administered by the hand. But in the case of telehealth or if someone is unable to administer it by hand, we do have some electronic devices that can be used that are standards in the profession. So as long as it's eye movement, it's good. It doesn't have to be a light bar. You could take a pen and move it back and forth in front of them or anything that creates that bilateral eye movement then, I guess. Yes, we're looking for smooth pursuit rapid eye movement. So we want to go smoothly from left to right, just as they would do in EMDR as well. And really, 
the question about tactile, people ask me that a lot because of my, you know, the past nine years before coming to Liberty, I work strictly with veterans. And when someone has a TBI, often the eye movement can be difficult. So the technique does work with tappers or tactile stimulation as well, but we just keep eye movements as the first preference. So you could use a light bar, you could use a computer program that has a light going across the screen. And in these COVID times, people have actually used pointers with an index card taped on the end so that you could administer it in person, but still be six feet away. Personally, I haven't done that, but I've seen people do it effectively. That's really neat. So there is some flexibility, which is nice. I'm obviously hearing the research and how that's helping clients and all. What are the benefits for you as a therapist? I guess being more effective, but I've heard that there's other benefits for the therapist as well. Definitely. In our field, we're at risk for secondary trauma, burnout, and compassion fatigue. With this technique, because you're able to help people rapidly move beyond trauma, we don't get as tired from helping. So our compassion satisfaction goes up significantly. And compassion fatigue is one of the main causes of burnout. So when I'm hearing people recount their stories of horrific trauma in a talk therapy modality, day in and day out, that takes a toll on me physically and emotionally. And in ART, people are not required to share all of the details. So that's good for them because it keeps them from being re-traumatized by therapy. But it's also good for the clinician because I am now not having to mentally and physically dump off everything I've heard all day. So it protects from the secondary trauma because I'm not hearing the recounting of vivid traumatic images and then also increasing my compassion satisfaction. So I guess when you activate both sides of the brain, they process it. And it is a form of exposure therapy, I would guess, but you're not exposing necessarily every bit of it, but it still seems to be effective. Am I following you correctly? Yes. Yeah, so ART being a procedural approach, we're able to utilize kind of the best of existing therapies into a specific protocol that's very effective. So there's components of narrative therapy, components of cognitive behavioral therapy, components of exposure therapy and the bilateral stimulation that's used in EMDR. And that's really neat because we're showing the brain what we want to resolve. And we're really thinking about PTSD as a memory storage problem. It's categorized as an anxiety disorder because it causes panic and extreme anxiety, but it's really a memory storage problem. Those images are not able to be stored away in long-term memory because they're so emotionally charged. So they keep popping up. And this protocol and process allows the brain to stop that image from consistently popping up. And when that happens, when I'm no longer seeing intrusive flashes of my trauma, I don't have as much distress in my body. And that's another significant component of ART is the focus on the body sensations because the body remembers everything. And in some of the other trauma therapies, there isn't a strong focus on working the trauma out of the body as well. And I think that's one of the things that makes ART so effective. If you think of your life like a movie, 
any scene of that movie that replays and causes you distress is potential for an ART session. And you watch the scene two times through while attending to the body. And then you have a process where you actually change the scene. So we're not changing the memory. It's not hypnosis. You're completely awake. You can stop anytime you want. But what we're doing is creating new wallpaper so that when your brain reconsolidates that memory, a new image is now associated with it. So an example might be you're processing the scene of a bad car accident and you're working on the fear that you felt in your body when that happened and all of the body sensations, including pain that you might have felt during that incident. And then when you re-script it, you're imagining that you saw it coming and you swerved and no one was injured. So we know that that's not really what happened, but that new image is now connected to the original image. And when your brain reconsolidates that memory, it's going to attach this new image to it that doesn't hold distress. So do you get people to remember things that are not necessarily accurate, but less traumatic? We call it voluntary image replacement. And the question is really, if you were the director of this scene and you could change it any way that you wanted, what would you do? So for example, if you're dealing with grief, it doesn't make sense to imagine a scene where that person doesn't pass away because you're going to leave the therapist's office and you're still dealing with grief. The person is still gone. But maybe you imagine that they weren't in pain or instead of seeing their face as they passed away, maybe you see their, them being peaceful, for example. Or maybe you get to do some gestalt work where you get to say goodbye if you weren't able to say goodbye in person. So again, it's not a false memory. It's not erasing a memory, but it's choosing an alternate way of seeing it. And that becomes very powerful to people because they imagine, well, instead of seeing them in intense pain, I would rather just see them passing away peacefully, even though I know that that's not what actually happened. So there's a lot of power in that voluntary image. That makes more sense. That's a much more nuanced response he gave me there because I was getting worried about false memory syndrome and all that stuff. <laughs> Obviously, this therapy is usually, like you said, about four sessions. Do most people that come in for ART, do they just come in and do the four sessions and leave? Or do you use the ART sessions like in conjunction with some other therapeutic approach? Like maybe you saw them for two or three sessions and then you go, oh, there's all this trauma. So you switch to ART and then you go back to the other? Or how does this normally work? You can do it either way. I remember one of my early ART sessions, I had an older gentleman who was experiencing performance anxiety at work. And he said, I don't want to fill out paperwork. I don't want to talk about my childhood. I just want to come in and get this ART. And of course, we still did consent forms and basic paperwork. But we did one session and it ended up connecting back to a childhood memory he had never shared with anyone. And that is what the sensation of performance anxiety was linked to. And I had to beg him to come back for a follow-up session. I was pretty new at ART then, and I wanted to know that we had actually resolved the issue. I was a little bit in disbelief. So he came in for two sessions, and I didn't see him again. But So there's that, but then there's also the situation where maybe someone's managing an ongoing mental health concern. You know, I've had some clients that 
are bipolar and we do ART for the trauma or if something new emerges, but they may also want to do traditional talk therapy in between for managing their symptoms. And we are beginning to study ART with other concerns besides trauma. We've done a small study on chronic pain because that was an unintended side effect of the original research. We monitored people's before and after pain, but we didn't target the pain in the treatment session. And we noticed consistently that pain dropped as a result of treating the trauma. So now we're very interested in continuing to study the application of ART to chronic pain. We've also done a small study with hospice on ART for grief, and there's several others coming up. Um, one of our clinicians is working with the Mayo Clinic on some treatment and some research. So there's broad application potential, and it could be used either way, kind of a one and done or get the three to five sessions and be finished or integrated into your regular therapy process. This sounds really neat. I mean, I'm certainly being convinced that there's a lot of value in this. Remind the listeners again about some of the websites. Well, you said artherapyinternational.org earlier, but are there any other websites or are there any other books or videos or things like that that listeners might want to check out? Yes, you can also go to acceleratedresolutiontherapy.com. That is the website of the founder of the therapy, Lainey Rosenzweig, and her for-profit business. And trainings are also listed there. And there's three levels of training for clinicians. So the basic is a three-day training. And I always say that that's the foundation and frame of the house. And then in the advanced and enhanced trainings, you get to decorate the house and put all the interior in, all the bells and whistles. But in the three-day training, you do learn how to administer the basic protocol and also how to work with an issue like performance anxiety that isn't a particular trauma scene. So taking a problem like anxiety or depression and putting it into a scene format of a typical day. And you can also go to YouTube and watch some therapist videos describing what ART is like and some testimonials from clients. Currently, there are no session videos available online because on the surface, the technique may appear simple, but it's actually pretty complex. And we don't want someone watching a session video and then thinking, I know how to do this now. So we're very protective of those videos of full sessions because we really want you to get the training and be equipped before trying to use the technique. Well, that's good. You certainly want to be ethical and how you have people train instead of just running out there unprepared. That's good to hear. I always ask people too, before we wrap things up, is there anything I have not asked you that you wanted to come in here and share with the listeners? Anything else on your heart or mind you wanted to share? You know, I will say I'm very passionate about getting some providers trained in the area of the university because I know we have so many students dealing with things like this. And currently, we don't have very many providers in the Central Virginia area. So I'll put a plug in for that. And I would say, too, try it. You can be skeptical, but as long as you can move your eyes, hold on to a thought, and you want to get better, ART could potentially work for you. So if you're skeptical as a clinician, have a session and see the results, because I think seeing is believing when it comes to this technique. ARTherapyinternational.org and acceleratedresolutiontherapy.com. Any books that you would recommend? We do have a bibliography of published articles. 
and there is one chapter in a textbook, but as of right now, there isn't a book on accelerated resolution therapy. The founder, Lanny Rosenzweig, is currently writing one, but it's not published yet. Certainly look forward to getting that book at some point when that comes out. It sounds really convincing and really excellent. Thank you so much for being on the program today, Professor Street. We really appreciate it and appreciate you, you know, having a passion for having effective therapy because there's so many issues and hurts out there that people have. And knowing that there's an effective treatment like this is very comforting to those of us who've been in the therapist seat for more than a few years. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Mental Healthy. Please be sure to subscribe for more episodes and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We hope you join us next time for more on Mental Healthy. Music for this podcast is licensed under Creative Commons by Excel Music Publishing at freemusicpublicdomain.com.